This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and it is a beautiful Tuesday morning for Seahawks fans, not so much for Giants fans, but it is great to see Cousin Sal. Sal, how's it going, man? It's going well, buddy. I'm doing this remotely. I couldn't stand the basketball behind you, and now you got rid of it, so uh, I don't know what to think. I deflated that ball, uh, and I threw it away. It's not a deflate gate situation, but that ball is no longer in the studio. They put a Rams helmet behind me. Um, so yeah, things are happening, Sal. Things are happening in the studio. We miss you <laughs> here, but uh, it's it's all good stuff. We finally get to talk about football without a basketball behind me. So who would have thought? Look at us. We uh, I can't we, we did it's it. True. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Things that I also can't believe are true. The New York Football Giants uh, had fans f- flooding out of MetLife last night before the game was over. Troy Aikman, Joe Buck were pointing that out, and uh, the Seattle Seahawks kind of took over MetLife. What were your thoughts watching Monday Night Football and seeing that whole scene? Well, it was a l- another lousy night game, which stinks for the fan, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that defense, was that re- they really came to play. 11 sacks. It really could have been like 15 sacks. I, I don't know. I, it's bad when I start feeling bad for Daniel Jones, right? Like, I can't, <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, no, I'm a Cowboys fan. I should love every minute of this. But, yeah, he really couldn't get out of his own way. And the offensive lines just in general look bad. But the Giants specifically – Really, really subpar tonight. And it was a shame that Jamal Adams went out early because I think he wanted to take a swing at the team doctor because, but this is a kind of game that he would have wanted to be a part of. Absolutely. And uh, for Seahawks fans, they were excited to have him back. Obviously, they made that big trade for Jamal Adams. This was supposed to be, you know, his big game back was going to solidify that defense. But the good news outside of the injury for Jamal Adams is that the defense did solidify themselves. They look like a vintage Pete Carroll defense, Devin Witherspoon, one of the highlights, a rookie who has a 97-yard interception touchdown return, his first touchdown since high school. That was a big highlight in this game. What are your thoughts just watching Pete Carroll, his excitement on the sideline, and just this defense looking like a little mini version of the Legion of Boom? Well, you can almost tell, and, you know, we're part of FanDuel here, and you could live bet the Seahawks when you see Pete Carroll chewing his gum at a faster rate than normal. And I really think that we saw that early (laughs) on. I don't know, you know, Buck and Aikman don't ever point this out, but I wish there was a metric that we could uh, figure out how fast he's chewing his gum compared to other games where the defense isn't responding. But you're right, Witherspoon has been phenomenal. Great pickup. You know, they went over what they did to Denver with that trade for Russell Wilson. It just keeps paying dividends 
over and over and over. And that was really the game. I think it was 14-3 when Daniel Jones threw that pick six that went for uh, almost 100 yards. Yeah, we need a new stat, a new analytic chomps per minute uh, for uh, for our guy Pete Carroll. But just in general, it looks like he's locked in on this team. Looks like he locks, you know, likes this defense a little bit more than maybe, you know, he has over the past couple of years. And a guy we got to point out, Bobby Wagner. I mean, I think he ended up with 18 tackles in this game and a couple of sacks, Mm. Uh, a name that is familiar to Seahawks fans. But how incredible was he tonight? He was he was insane. He was excellent. It's like they brought the uh, the old crew back. I don't know. <laughs> right. The Legion and Boom went away for a while, and now it's returned. And, you know, I don't know. The Devil's Advocate, okay, it was Daniel Jones. And last week, who'd they play? Um, you know, uh, Carolina. So right. it, was Bryce, uh, it was Andy Dalton, actually. So, But even against Detroit, they were really tough in the second half. So if you're a Seahawks fan, you have to be optimistic about what they're doing. Yeah, quickly on the Giants side of things, uh, and we'll talk about them a little bit later in the show, but just the reaction. I mean, Dayball wins coach of the year last year. There was all this excitement. Daniel Jones gets his big contract, and then so far you're one and three, and you look like you're just lost and looking for answers. I mean, is there anything that they can do to kind of right the ship there in New York? I don't really think so. Honestly, like, you know, when Saquon Barkley's out and by the way, I don't know what his deal is for incentives and everything, but maybe he should stay out. Right. Uh, Their best play is Daniel Jones taken off on, you know, either a planned or a broken play. Uh, Nothing else seems to work for them offensively. And I don't think it's going to get much better. They go to Miami this week and then at Buffalo the following week. So yeah, you're right. Coach of the year. Brian Dable has his work cut out for him. Yeah, and Daniel Jones had two passes uh, of 10 or more yards in this game. One of them was a big pick in this game that kind of, you know, basically for for all intents and purposes ended the game. So uh, that's a whole separate conversation. You mentioned Coach of the Year. Dayball won it last year. Let's track to the future right now. Um, Yeah, look at this. We got a little animation, Sal. Um, And uh, now... We're locked in because we want to look at the odds for coach of the year this year and a name that we're talking about uh, early on in the show, Pete Carroll, his odds right now are plus 3000. That looks like good value to me, Sal. Could Pete Carroll actually sneak in and win this award? You know, I guess it is, but, and you don't want, you shouldn't talk to me about this because uh, my pick for coach of the year back in late August was Sean Payton. And now he's uh, probably more likely to get fired first than the win coach of the year. It was 12 to one. Now it's 12 billion to one. Mm-hmm. But um, I would say, you know, the tough thing about this award is they want someone to step up. Someone was not expected to win for his team. That's why Brian Dayball won last year. You know, it's not like Andy Reed wins his every year, even though his team has 13, 14 wins. Right. But so you want, I'm looking at the three and one teams that are surprising and it's only the Tampa Bay Bucks. It really is just Todd Bowles, who was 50 to one to win this award in the beginning of the year. And now he's down to, what do you, you tell me what he says at 12 or 14? He's he's at four. Yeah. yeah, Plus 1400, 14 to one right now. And you're right, Sal. I mean, he's kind of flying under the radar a little bit and that division is ripe for the taking and he has name recognition, right? And funny enough, I mean, to, to make things worse for New York Jets fans, they know him very well. So they they could see Todd Boyles go out there and win coach of the year. And uh, you know, Baker Mayfield has this redemption story and it feels like, uh, you know, a good storyline, but not what people expected at all. Yeah, and look, I think he would only have to win 10 games and and take that division and not, not do anything else. And and then the storyline is, well, I had Tom Brady and now I have Baker Mayfield and this team was only supposed to win four and a half games and now they're at double digits. So 
that's a nice uh, little portfolio he's building. Yeah, and we got Dan Campbell at plus 400, right? He's the favorite right now. You mentioned we like a new face that kind of shocks the world. They look like they could handle and take care of the NFC North right now. Ever since Dan Campbell talked about biting kneecaps, it does feel oh, yeah. like America has been waiting to fall in love with him. Do you think there's actually value there just to go ahead and take him at plus 400? It feels like those odds might even slim uh, as the Detroit Lions continue to win. I think he has to come through on his promise to bite these kneecaps. Otherwise, <laughs> right. um, he's a fraud like the rest of these coaches. So, yeah, I think four to one's a little too low. Yeah, maybe he bites uh, Mike McDaniel's kneecaps. Uh, he's right there <laughs> at plus 500. Maybe he can there push him down. Uh, the next track to the future, we have Rookie of the Year. I know you're a C.J. Stroud guy. He's the favorite right now at plus 175. Um, people are really buying into the hype of him, what he did with Houston this week against the Steelers. But let's look at some of the more long shot guys that we have here for Rookie of the Year. One of the names I want to highlight is the artist formerly known as Devin A-Chain. Now he is Devin A-Chan, um, and he yeah. is, he's looking really good for that? the Dolphins. Uh, what do you think about his odds? <laughs> well, I, if he keeps changing his name, it's going to be hard to find him in the, <laughs> right. in the ledger there. But uh, yeah, he's 10 to 1 odds. I'm a C.J. Stroud guy, as you mentioned. I have him at 10 to 1. We'll talk probably more about them, him later. But uh, HN, 10 to 1, three in the last two games, 304 yards and four touchdowns. In the last mm. two games, he really was the only bright spot for Miami last Sunday against Buffalo. So keep an eye on him. The only thing I'll say is with these running backs, they go down so easily. So it might be, might be tough, but he's uh, he's built up a nice little resume there so far with four touchdowns in the last two games. And it felt like after, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, right, Bijan Robinson was kind of the name, and he was obviously yeah. the favorite to win Rookie of the Year. He's pushed back. He's at plus 350 now. But the other name that everyone in Los Angeles can't stop talking about, it, it has become just the new trend to say his name, Puka Nakua. Uh, he's mm. here at plus 450. What do you like about Puka, and do you think there's value there for him? I like everything about him, except that <laughs> Koopa is coming back to replace right. Puka, you know? And so that might happen as early as this week, probably next week. So he's definitely, definitely going to take a lot of targets away uh, from Puka, who's an outstanding player. I don't know that they maybe couldn't find, I don't know, can Stafford, I guess that's a question. Can Stafford... Uh, find room for both of them to thrive yeah I think he can I mean Stafford as long as he can stay healthy I think he's gonna have a really really good year and goes down and ends up throwing the game-winning touchdown to Puka so uh, seeing a rookie thrive like that also gets you know people fired up so Puka Nakua at plus 450 is a good one the next track to the future we have Sal the last winless team in the NFL we got two teams oh. right now who have not won a game my Carolina Panthers are the favorite at minus 165. The Chicago Bears are right there at plus 130. Which team do you think, Sal, will be the last winless team in the NFL this season? This is tough, and it might settle itself on November 9th when they play each other. And I believe Carolina is home for that game. But through 16 quarters between the two teams, I feel like the Panthers have played better football. I don't know if that matters as much as the schedule coming up. So at the Lions, at the Dolphins versus Texans and versus the Colts, that's the Panthers schedule and the bears are versus Washington this Thursday night versus mm -hmm. the Vikings and versus the Raiders. So I don't know, maybe more winnable games for the bears in the next couple of weeks. But um, I think I'm going to go with your team, Tate. I don't even know if you want them to win. Do you want them to keep losing and then they get another pick and then they have two Bryce Youngs? I don't, I don't know what how, how it works out. Well, the worst part about it is that you trade DJ Moore to the Chicago Bears, right? right? And then and then now they own your pick. So you have really no incentive to even be a part of this whole tank race. So if anything, there might be a, a time where the Panthers look around and they say, Bryce Young, why don't you learn behind Andy Dalton and maybe he can get us one win here in Carolina and get the crowd uh, back excited about the football team? Because, I mean, since David Tepper took over, Sal, he said he was 
is going to change the culture. So far, the culture has been changed in the opposite direction. It's like they don't even want to play football and try to win games anymore. Yeah, well, he didn't say he would change it for the better, right? <laughs> That's I mean, true. He, he, he's he honest. He's a guy a liar. He right. just said he was going to change it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. changed. I like that. I, I like that he's an honest guy. Thanks, Dave Tepper. Yeah. Uh, you know, we appreciate owners that keep it uh, 100% with us. Last <laughs> track to the future, Sal. The last undefeated team. We had the Philadelphia uh, Eagles, the favorite at minus 160. The San Francisco 49ers at plus 125. After the game uh, this past weekend when the Eagles won in overtime, they said 4-0 is good. 5-0 is better. Which team do you like to be the last undefeated team in the NFL? Well, I, the 49ers have a tough one against my Cowboys. We'll get into that a little bit later. That's why they're the plus number here. Um, I'd like for this to be a push. I'd like for them to both lose uh, <laughs> this week. As a Cowboys fan, that would be ideal for me. But realistically, it's at the Rams, at the Jets, and then home for Miami for Philadelphia. Um, I think they're more likely to get it done. Meanwhile, uh, they really could be like the eight no team that is disrespected, even though they made it to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, quickly, just talking about the Eagles. What do you think about the tush push? I know this is a this is a hot topic of debate. A lot of people are upset about this. Do, do yeah. you mind it? Do you care about it? Or are you upset about it? I hate it. I talked about it with Simmons last night. Right. You know, I I, I fully acknowledge that it's legal and good for the Eagles for figuring it out. How many fourth and ones have we seen even tonight that were botched by coaches or by quarterbacks or whatever? The Eagles don't have to worry about that. My takeaway though, is it's a little bit emasculating for Jalen Hurts. It's like, we're going to do this for you. You're not able to do this. We're going to push you. Mm. And if you need your arm to propel forward, uh, we're going to do that for you too. And with a pass. And if you want us to tie your <laughs> cleats in the huddle, we'll mm. uh, be there for you. So uh, good for you, Jalen. I don't know how I would feel about that as, as a manly man, as mm. manly as they get, right. but um. Yeah, so it's legal and uh, keep it going. Yeah, you're not upset about it at all. And no, uh, no, yeah, yeah, you're good about it. And like you said, the Bears could have used it uh, in their game yeah. as well. They went forward on a fourth and one late when they could have just kicked the field goal and maybe could have gone into overtime. So there's a lot of teams that could use the tush push. I know it's a mm -hmm. hot topic of debate. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to do some over under reactions. And then we're going to do some line look aheads for week five. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. I am here with Cousin Sal. Not physically here, but uh, no. again, he was boycotting because of the basketball. Luckily, we have that all figured out. Now it's time to have some fun. We're going to do some over-under reactions. This is my favorite part of the show, Sal. I give you a statement. You tell me if it's an overreaction, underreaction. You know how the game goes. One of my favorite games. And let's start with the Monday night football team that we saw, the New York Giants. And I can ask you this, Sal. New York is the worst team who made the playoffs last year. And people forget they actually won a game in the playoffs. Is that an overreaction or an underreaction? Oh, man, I, I think it's an underreaction. You know, before the game, you could have made a case for Cincinnati. Their offense looks right. terrible. I think they have like three offensive touchdowns in four games. Really bad. Joe Burrow ho hobbled the way he is. 
you have receivers swearing in interviews, swearing <laughs> they're open and swearing, cursing their heads off too. Right. And Jamar Chase. So I don't know. Uh, I would have maybe made a case for the Bengals, but the Giants look so bad. And, you know, when you're talking about going possibly to a quarterback change and Tyrod Taylor and your star running back being out and a tough schedule coming up, this could be a six or five or six game winning team. I think, I don't know. Does it get much better than that? Yeah, I think uh, that would actually be a delight to win six games based on what we've seen so far. So something would have to drastically change for day ball in year two. And obviously, you know, things move quickly in New York city. You go from being the bell of the ball to be in the bottom of the pit fast. And Brian Dayball is experiencing that right now. All right, Sal, next up, we got the Washington Commanders should strip Ron Rivera from using the nickname Riverboat Ron. What are your thoughts on that? I think they should take away the nickname. You know, he had a chance. And by the way, he was gifted that entire drive because obviously A.J. Brown called for the taunting penalty. And I'll have more to say about this on Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Nice but called for the taunting penalty, puts them in good field position. Sam Howell drives the field you know, goes behind down one with almost no time left on the road against Philly. You have a chance to beat them in their house two years in a row. And no, you choose to leave it up to overtime. Like what, what's a better phrase than control your own destiny, right? When mm -hmm. you hear that in baseball, when you hear that in football, they control their own destiny. Well, that's what Ron Rivera had. He controlled his own destiny and he blew it by letting overtime decide who wins and a long field goal on the other end by Elliott. And that's how Philly prevailed. I think they take that nickname away. I don't know what you call him now. Do you, can you call him Meatball Ron Rivera? Or is that already taken? Is Meatball Ron taken already? I, I think it is taken, but maybe oh. we just call him Ron. You know, he's just simple. Just Ron. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing more than that. And, uh, you know, he like doesn't go for two. Yeah, yeah exactly. your lovely neighbor, Ron. Uh, I like that. Take that away. He's no longer, no longer Riverboat Ron. All right, the next one. And I know you and Simmons talked about this on Guess the Lines a little bit. We don't want to talk too much about how great he's looked so far. But, Sal, I say this to you. Christian McCaffrey looks like the league MVP over or under reaction. I think it's an overreaction only based on who wins these league MVPs. And it's just never a running back. I mean, mm -hmm. it's as frequently a defensive player. And I say that with Lawrence Taylor winning in 1987 was the last <laughs> one. You just don't see anyone other than a quarterback really win it. And if you look at his numbers compared to last year, what do you have? Almost 1900 yards last year between the two teams between playing on Carolina and the Niners. Now he has 600 total yards, which would put him around 2,400. I don't know. I just feel like these guys don't get any votes when it comes down to it. You know, Derrick Henry had the 2000 yard mark right there. When you combine yards, didn't even get a sniff. Honestly, got one or two uh, first place votes. Quarterback always wins. So I'm sorry. Great year for Christian McCaffrey, but uh, overreaction here. Yeah, he needs more commercials. I think that's what we're learning this yes. year. You got to get, he's got to talk to Taylor Swift maybe, and then he could be in that conversation. Exactly. Uh, next one, Sal, let's talk about a team that's very close to you, your dear Cowboys. A lot mm -hmm. of people, when Diggs went down, they changed their tune a little bit with this team. I got to say this the Cowboys are still real Super Bowl contenders despite not having Diggs. Do you agree? Is that an overreaction oh, or underreaction? Stop it. I, if I were in that studio, I mean, you banned me from the studio. If I were there, I would smack you. I would smack you silly right now. I know. <laughs> what you're doing you're trying to get me riled up no this cow well listen in a sense yes they're contenders like if you're top three or four in your conference i guess you're a super bowl contender right mm -hmm. but they're a contender right now to lose to the 49ers in dramatic fashion in the first or second round of the playoffs like they did the last two years and it'll come at the head of uh of mike mccarthy stupid play call or you know an incompetent Dak Prescott, I'm sorry to say. Now, this is not to say that they're going to win 11 or 12 games in the regular season. That they could do. That we've seen them do. 
but I don't have confidence once they get to January, mid-January, and God forbid, February. So stop with that talk. Stop yeah. that, passing that rumor around. I don't have much confidence when they get in the red zone, and that tends to be the problem with Mike McCarthy's right. offenses. So we'll see what happens with the Cowboys. And uh, here's a little tease. We're going to talk about them playing the 49ers this weekend. So we got that ahead with the line look-aheads. Yep. Um, next up, we got this is a fun one. I know uh, New England fans don't want to hear this, but <laughs> the Patriots should bench Mac Jones. Uh, is that an overreaction or an underreaction? Another disappointing weekend for Mac. Uh, well, I love beating up on them. I love the pick <laughs> six, the strip six, and everything else from the Cowboys' perspective. But also, you know, Patriots fans, and I told Bill Simmons, I said, listen, there's nothing in the football fan manual that says that you have to have the best quarterback every living, breathing moment of your life, Patriots <laughs> fans. So calm down. I don't know that you bench him. I just feel like a lot of these guys are the same. If you bench Mac Jones, you have to bench Derek Carr. You have to bench Kenny Pickens. You have to bench, who else? Zach Wilson, Desmond Ritter, Bryce Young. These these guys are all the same. I still say that Mac is in the 20 to 25 range, but the problem is who do you replace him with? Like you bench him, Bailey Zappi's in, and that guy's not taking you to the Super Bowl. Or what are you going to do? Carson Wentz, you going to bring him in? I don't think he's going to take you to the Super Bowl in this this you know this condition. So uh, a little bit of an overreaction, I said. Yeah, Tom Brady is not coming uh, through that door in that facility anytime right. soon, and uh, you got to still you got to stick with McCorkle. Last one, Sal. Uh, C.J. Stroud. He talked about you know uh, Mac being a top twenty-five guy. C.J. Stroud is already a top ten quarterback in the NFL. Is that an overreaction or an underreaction? I'm going to say it's a slight overreaction, although the quarterback play has been so bad. So Tate, I bad. watch these games. I watch these early games. I'm like, wow, we've seen 20 teams, and I like like three or four quarterbacks. <laughs> so in that sense, C.J. Stroud's making great strides. Uh, what does he have? Over 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. Did it against the Steelers' defense. Really thrived um, on Sunday. So that's all good stuff. But I need to see a little more. And if I see a little more, that means the league is seeing more. There's going to be more tape on him. They're going to be able to scheme up better against C.J. Stroud. So um, let's slow down. We just mentioned Mac, right? This time a couple of years ago, we probably would have said Mac is a, uh, trending to be a top 10 quarterback, Mac Jones. And that's not the case. So let me see a little more out of CJ Stroud, although I did have him and I do have him at 10 to one to win offensive rookie of the year. And I'm going to take all the credit in the world. He could, you know, thank his teammates and his parents and everything else. But I've been praising him since the summer at 10 to one. And now he's in the what plus three yeah. plus 270 somewhere in there. Right. Right. Exactly. And also he's trying to buck the Buckeye trend of not having quarterbacks succeed in the NFL. So he is really trying to be um, someone that is different coming out of Ohio State when it comes to quarterback play. So there we go. And now it's time, Sal, to hop on the Riverboat Casino right now because we got a fun prop. In case you missed it this weekend, Broncos coach Sean Payton decided to cut off his sleeves, um, leading the Denver Broncos to their first. Mm -hmm. Point of the season in that same spirit sal the riverboat captain asks who or what will sean payton cut next this season the favorite is his pants at three to one next is his own hair seven to one next is russell wilson ten to one then the in, the unemployment line 15 to one and then the field is at even odds sal what say you who what or who should sean payton cut next Interesting. It's really, it's really, you have a lot of nice, uh, that, that riverboat casino, that's not riverboat Ron giving us this. No, question, not right? anymore. He, doesn't have that he used to be on okay. the boat. So <laughs> we took him off. Yeah. He walked the plane. <laughs> that's true. Okay. Uh, okay. Riverboat captain, you know, he cut those sleeves and it didn't look like he picked them up. I, I thought it was like, uh, <laughs> no, they were go, I don't ground. know if there's a littering fine or anything like that, but I thought, uh, I didn't like that much more than I don't like when they, uh, you don't return a cart at the grocery store, but what can he cut? You know, I would cut a lot of those things. Honestly, mm. I would cut, 
I would cut my hair if I'm him. <laughs> I would cut pants, which is on the list. I would start cutting my toenails, anything to when they cut away to him to distract from that product that he's putting on the field week after week, the worst defense in the league by far, and maybe in this century um, by some metrics. So yeah, cut everything. And so that they don't show that team. So a lot of good options. there. Yeah. I think he's going to cut uh, everybody uh, moving into the offseason this year. It does <laughs> feel like the new ownership believes in Sean Payton, maybe more so than Russell Wilson. He was their pick. Russell was not. So I'm going to take Russell Wilson 10 to one. I think that there has to be a fall guy in Denver at some point. Like you said, the defense is the real issue, but at the same time, the face of the franchise is Russell Wilson. And I think he's going to be the guy. So I'll take him at 10 to one. Now it's time to look ahead to week five with some line look aheads. And let's start with the team that the Broncos played last weekend in the Tulip Bowl. And that was the Chicago Bears. And this week they are going to Washington to take on the Commanders. The Commanders are favored by seven points in this game. Sal, who do you like in this one? Do you think the Commanders can handle business at home? Wow, it's up to seven, huh? When Simmons and I guessed this, um, I think it was like five and a half on Sunday night. And it's all the way up to seven. Th this isn't a look ahead, Tate. This is a look the other way. And <laughs> I love football and I love gambling more than football, but it's going to be tough for even me to find a, a nice angle on what to take here. You know, the Bears showed some life, obviously, in the first half after going down seven, nothing. I think they took a 28-7 lead yeah, it was nice. on Denver. And then, yeah, was that what it was? And then just completely fell apart in the second half. So I think that number boy, that's creeping up too high. I hate to take the bears, but if that ticks to seven and a half against this commander's team who can't protect their quarterback, I might have to jump on the bears. Yeah. Which is crazy to say, because last week we were saying, stay away from the bears at all costs. But like you said, they showed some life in that first half and somehow or another, you can talk yourself into it. All right, Sal, second game here. We got the Jacksonville Jaguars, AKA the London Jaguars. They are not the home team, but they are still in London and they got Buffalo coming over and they are actually listed as the home team. Buffalo is favored in this one, five and a half points. Who do you like here? I really don't here. I think this is a screwy spot for them. And I get the line being five, five and a half. Um, I think a lot of people are going to want to put Buffalo on a teaser saying, all right, they could survive Jacksonville who hasn't really gotten their offense going. But like I said, weird spot. They won their, would you call it a quarter point Super Bowl against mm. the Dolphins? Like as far as the first four games, that was their biggest game. It was the biggest game on the schedule. So I think they did a nice job with that. And now they jump on a plane in jolly old London and where Jacksonville has been already for a week. They are the home team. Buffalo is technically the home team, but this is a home game for Jacksonville. I'm gonna, I would take Jacksonville on the points, but I get why the line is five and a half, six. Yeah, I'm I'm already ready for Jacksonville to be in London. I mean, they've been playing games over there for 10 years now, started in 2013. So then I think they've had uh 10 different scenarios where they were the home team yeah. over there in London. So people believe in the Jaguars over there in London, and uh hopefully in, in this game they show up again. I like that. Uh next one we got Sal, we got the Philadelphia Eagles going to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. Uh, Rams are getting four and a half points in this game. Stafford was struggling a little bit, limping around, but still was incredible. Showed a lot of toughness this week. Uh, who do you like in this game? This is tough because, you know, beginning of the year, I was way down on the Rams. I thought they would have the worst record and they've really stood up. I mean, they have this phenom at wide receiver, uh, Nakua. Um, Stafford is upright, which I didn't think would happen at this point in October of 2023. Right. And they are competitive. 
they have two wins and they're playing the Eagles, you know, who haven't had their letdown game. The problem, I mean, before the year, I thought I would have thought this game would be a nine or 10 point spread, but the Rams have been so competitive and physical. That's not the problem is they're going to be 60,000 Eagle fans there <laughs> at SoFi. So do they let down Philly? Um, uh, maybe it's because I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm hoping and expecting it. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I think this is a fair number based on how well the Rams have played. Absolutely. The Rams are actually fun to watch. And like you said, Puka Nakua has taken the world by storm at this point. So uh, I think that will be a fun game to watch. We'll also learn a lot about this Eagles team who seemingly just figures out a way to win. It's not pretty by any means, but they just yeah. learn uh, and see how it goes and figure out how to do it. Next up, we got an NFC East team, your Dallas Cowboys, going to play the 49ers. Mm. 49ers, uh, they are favored uh, – the 49ers in this one um, are favored by three and a half points. So we'll see uh, what that looks like. You said your Cowboys might struggle in the playoffs, but will they handle business in the regular season, Sal? Well, it's funny because this is a team they struggle with in the playoffs, and now they're playing the regular season. I thought this line should have been four. I wouldn't read into that blowout too much. I, mm. I loved every minute of it against the Patriots. But, um, you know, 49ers could out-physical you if they choose to do so. And I think they're going to do so and, you know, rise to the cream of the the top there in the NFC and maybe of the league. I think we're going to be talking about the 49ers as the best team in football after this 49, uh, after the Sunday night game, we saw how they handled the juggernaut Cardinals. What remember what the Cardinals did to the Cowboys two weeks ago, 49ers slapped them around one right. by 19. Maybe they almost covered, but um, <laughs> that's, that's our game in common. But I do think the 49ers is going to end up on the winning side here. Yeah, and then next week I'll ask you over under reaction is Brock Purdy a top 10 quarterback in the league? So That's I can't right. wait for that. Uh, next game, we got the Kansas City Taylor Swifts going to Minnesota to go take on the Vikings. Vikings getting five and a half points in this game. Uh, Kirk Cousins threw a pick six to open this weekend against the Panthers, but was able to figure it out and get a win. Uh, do you think the Chiefs can go into Minnesota and cover this one, Sal? I don't know. I don't know what to do with Patrick Mahomes. I'm not sure they care at all about covering. I, I think they <laughs> care about making Taylor Swift happy and winning games. And then when they get to the Super Bowl, they'll they'll uh, accomplish both. But covering the spread is uh, not one of their priorities here. Five and a half is a fair number. I think it would have been higher if not for last night's performance where they struggled against the Jets. But the Vikings are so wacky. You don't know what you're getting week to week. So uh, I, this might even be a stay away from me. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Minnesota in this game. I, I still have a little bit of faith in Kirk Cousins, so I'm going to take the points there. Last game, one of my favorite rivalries in the NFL. There aren't many rivalries that are like this. An AFC mm -hmm. North showdown every single time. We got the Baltimore Ravens going up to Pittsburgh. Steelers getting four and a half points in this game. They looked miserable this weekend, but they're expecting a bounce back. What do you like in this game? Do you think the, the Ravens can go up there and uh, and cover that spread? You know, the Ravens went on the road and beat another AFC North foe in Cleveland yesterday or Sunday, um, you know, took care of business. Obviously, Deshaun Watson was out. Dorian Thompson Robinson was in. I'm not sure as bad as he was. He had about 121 yards and three interceptions. I'm not sure there's going to be improvement on that in Kenny Pickett from week to week. If you look at his numbers. So the Ravens might get the job done and that number might be fair. The only problem is. Every game in this series is close and low scoring. Right. The last three, I think, were 16-13, 16-14, 16-13. So, um, you know, you, you're kind of uh, you're playing with house money if you take the Steelers and the points here. Yeah, and every single time, like you said, these two teams play, it doesn't matter who's out there. It just feels like it's the same game every single time. So it's yeah. always a fun rivalry game. One last thing, Sal, before I let you get out of here. Uh, NHL coming up right now. Uh, we're going to have Katie Baker come on and talk about mm. some of the futures and biggest storylines in hockey. Do you have a favorite this year? The Avalanche are listed as the favorites at plus 850. Is there a team you like? 
You know, I like the abs there too. We were left with a, a ho-hum final four, which ended up being fun to watch, but uh, I'm not going to focus on a team. I'm going to give you Connor McDavid for MVP again, 64 like goals, 89 assists. Uh, Mikey Meatballs, our resident hockey expert, has given me the thumbs up here. 195 <laughs> first place votes. It really matters how these guys, the same guys and girls that vote every year vote. So 195 first place votes. Pasternak was the only one to get a first place vote other than McDavid. And he only had one. So you're basically betting that Connor McDavid will stay healthy at even odds. Yeah. I like that pick and Connor McDavid, one of those guys from day one, he was supposed to change the game, change the league. And he actually lived up to the hype. So you don't see that often. So shout out to him. I like that pick again, Fridays, check out cousin South winning weekend. Always a fun time. And also on Sunday, the ringer wise guy, Sal, thanks so much for coming on through the ringer and we'll see you next week. See you buddy. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. And as I promised when I said goodbye to Cousin Sal, we have the Ringer's very own Katie Baker. She's back. Katie, great to see you. Hey, I, I considered coming with a paper bag over my head after that Giants game, but it's great to see you as always. Yeah, you are. Uh, yeah, I like to talk to you about better things, right? When it comes to your team, the New York Giants, this is not necessarily the case. There's a lot of conversations um, happening about this team. One in three right now. We'll start there. The state of the New York Giants after this last performance Monday night, Brian Dayball after the game says, if I was a fan, I would be upset too. You are a fan. So I asked you a simple question, Katie. Are you upset? What's going on with the New York Giants? Yeah, I went through quite the emotional journey tonight. Um, you know, despite the fact that the Giants didn't start the game that well, they were kind of very much in it. Um, and, you know, to see them kind of go for it on fourth down, um, see Daniel Jones run, and then I think two plays later throw an interception, uh, pick six. Uh, I had my hands on my head like both Manning brothers did on the Manning cast. Um, so, yeah, the state of the Giants is not strong, that's for sure. Last thing on the Giants before we flip to the Jets, where do we stand on Daniel Jones? I've actually seen a lot of people have sympathy for him because there's no way you can watch that game and feel like he's properly protected. Yeah, I mean, like, it was, uh, to me, like, more so than the throwing of the tablet, the fact that Dayball left him in to get sacked, like, three more times or something, you know. Yeah, like, in to yeah, and it just felt like he was almost punishing him by kind of keeping throwing him out there. I mean, I feel like 
that fourth down, you know, going for it on fourth down call that he made, I actually was happy about the call. I liked the fact that he was showing confidence in him. It paid off. He got the, that fourth down. Um, and so it was just such a gut punch to see what happened a few plays later. And then obviously after that, like everything kind of melted down, but like, I just feel like if, you know, if that had been a different play, if he had thrown a touchdown, you know, even they had even gotten the field goal, I don't think they would have melted down the way they did afterwards. Could have had a closer game. Instead, we have, you know, shell shock, Daniel Jones, um, both him and Dayball, like didn't really see him, you know, they weren't. They were saying the right things, I guess, but like it, it doesn't. We're in for a long week of kind of wondering how that relationship is going, what the future is going. I mean, I think this the crazy thing is like Daniel Jones's cap hit this year is I think fifteen million, and next year it's forty seven million. So it's not getting any easier from here, that's for sure. Yeah, and Daniel Jones, like you said, he got the big contract. You know, everybody was talking about that, especially in light of Saquon. Saquon is hurt right now. Um, we love Captain Hindsight in sports. We love revisionist history on things. I mean, how much did Giants fans wish they could maybe retroactively go back in time and, and not give him that contract after what they've seen, you know, in four games? Yeah, I mean, like, also the thing I was thinking about kind of piggybacking off of that is, in some ways, the flip side of that is Saquon, who is someone that, you know, it was kind of an arduous process the Giants took a little bit of a hard line there. You're sort of seeing why they did that. He's injured again. And so it's like, you know, you can kind of go back in either way. Um, even with Jones, I remember thinking at the time, well, who are they going to get instead? So there's sort of that counterfactual. But yeah, I mean, like when you look at those numbers, you kind of knew it was a risk when they were signing it. Um, you know, those numbers just go up every year. It's always like the biggest contract sign, but um, not looking good right now. Um, and just like, you know, the it's, the tension between everyone is kind of what's almost more like concerning to watch and knowing like <laughs> their schedule coming up. I think they're on the road in Miami coming off a loss Miami. So that's like even worse and Buffalo who beat Miami and um, you know, so it, it's, we could be looking at one in five very quickly. Yeah, and it, it happens fast. I will say this uh, for all the Giants fans out there. The Giants own the NFL worst winning percentage on Monday night football, which is, uh, you know, not good to hear. But maybe that's something in the future they decide to move away from Monday night football. Every time Eli Manning says he wants to, to get him on Monday night football and have him a part of the Manning cast, they just say, no, that's not our night. We're not a Monday night team. So th there could be some course correction for the future. Maybe just avoid Monday night if you're a Giants fan. I actually always like on the one hand living in California, I'm happy when the Giants are on primetime because I can like watch it on TV easily. On the other hand, I'm always like, oh, God, here we go, because <laughs> it's not a good history. Yeah, things have not uh, tended to work out on Monday night. Now let's talk about Sunday night, because both games, both primetime games were in MetLife Stadium last night was a celebrity affair, to say the least. We got Taylor Swift. We got Wolverine. We got Deadpool. Um, you know, we even got Jeremy Strong in the building. So there was a lot of celebrities there. But the guy who kind of stole the show was Zach Wilson. There's been a lot of controversy, a lot of conversations about the Jets need to trade for Kirk Cousins or bring in Matt Ryan or whoever it may be. But Zach Wilson looked the part last night. Is there any optimism there for the Jets fans after that performance? Um, yes and no. Like, I feel like you know, unlike the Giants, the Jets were at least a very polite host. Like they might have lost the game, but um, they made it a nice viewing experience for all involved. I enjoyed watching that game a lot last night. 
Um, they obviously were, you know, kind of rattling Mahomes a little bit. He was almost lucky to emerge unscathed. But um, yeah, on the other hand, hearing I was listening to WFAN today, shout out Evan Roberts. And, you know, he was saying, like, there's no moral victories for him. Like, it's a loss. Um, you know, they can be mad that it ended up kind of hinging on a, a call, which you you kind of never want. And yet also at least it it gives you that outlet post game if you're a Jets fan to sort of like be upset about that. And and you know, Zach Wilson did show a lot. Like it actually in some ways reminded me of um, you know, since I have to go back to the good times for the Giants, like when they played the Patriots uh in that like, you know, almost perfect season at the end of the at the end of the season and Eli Manning kind of like drove the field and was actually doing really well and it, I remember the Patriots won but everyone Giants fans all left the stadium I went to that game feeling like confident and there was like some degrees of that with Zach Wilson I you know the coach was saying like this is the stuff that we've seen and this is why we're sticking by him and I think a little that a bit of that is just like you know um managing the PR and everything but um, but you know, at least like you came out of that thinking, maybe there's a stopgap this year, get Aaron Rodgers back. He looked good on the sideline. Like, um, he looked, you know, hail and hearty. And so we'll see. I mean, th- that said, I don't think necessarily we're going to like have like the super Zach Wilson forever. It did feel a little bit like Aaron Rodgers was big brother and Zach Wilson was like the annoying little brother. And then like the big brother showed up and all the friends had to be nicer to the little brother. You know what I mean? And Zach Wilson obviously got the team ice cream after practice and <laughs> took accountability after the game. Right. So he, he's trying to yeah. endear himself to the team as best he can. Um, I wanted to ask you this. The Giants are in free fall a little bit. The Jets, obviously, without Aaron Rodgers, kind of on the same trajectory. What would Mike and the Mad Dog be saying right now about these two teams if they were in their heyday on New York radio? Dog. Dog. Um, I mean, I think the words disgrace would be involved. I don't know. I don't know which octave, the Mikey octave or the dog octave. They're two very different uh, registers there, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see. I'm sure we'll hear from uh, Chris Russo on one of the morning shows, and um, I think Mike sometimes has some podcast he weighs in on. But yeah, I mean, I, I do, you know, I do kind of miss the days of like tuning in to hear what they have to say, and um, I think they'd probably be, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like I could see Francesa like defending Dayball a little and saying that he didn't have the tools to work with because he's kind of a a coach's guy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, that kind of leads me to my next, you know, conversation point, which is the New York media coverage, right? I mean, this year you get hard knocks, you get Aaron Rodgers. It felt like all signs point to the New York Post saying we're all in on gangrene. We are a New York Jets coverage. And then also we got this nice story with the New York Giants coming off a playoff win, coming off Dayball winning coach of the year. It felt like all signs were green. It was all a go for New York NFL coverage. And now we, we kind of get the opposite of the expectation. How does the New York media react to this, Katie? Like, do, do they go full throttle because we know they can be tough? Do they start asking to, to fire guys really quickly? Like, or do they understand the context of the situation? Like you mentioned before, Rodgers is out, Saquon is out, Dayball's figuring out what he can do with Daniel Jones. Do they have a little bit of, um, let's say, sympathy for the situation? Or do they go absolutely in attack mode? I think there'll be a little bit of a diverging path, like in the sense of, um, you know, I think the Jets have the Broncos coming up and I already saw uh, or heard Zach like pimping up 
uh, or, you know, pumping up um, Hackett a little bit in advance of that game. And they're, they sort of have the Sean Payton beef. I feel like that's going to dominate, like, going into that game. Whereas, you know, when you have the the Giants, it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I do think the fact that the Giants have rotated through so many coaches and they have a first, you know, kind of first-year GM and all those sorts of things, like, there's a little bit more, like, you can't really call for – call for the firing quite so quickly and they're sort of locked in with the quarterback. And so it's a little bit of like, all right, let's see how this goes. I mean, I have already seen people talk about, um, you know, are they going to be sellers at the deadline? You know, so there's already that kicking into motion, but um, I do think the, there's definitely going to be a lot of venom and a lot of questions. um, But I think realistically, it's not necessarily a situation where you can kind of, there's an obvious like person to fire, you know, at this point, considering they've already done that several times. All right, Katie, I won't belabor the, uh, the giants jets media talk too much longer. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Katie's Coco golf prediction at the U S open and some NHL futures. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Good news for New York media out there is that they did have the U.S. Open and they did have a champion. Um, you know, now we're going to talk a little tennis. We talked about the football, the the bad football. I don't want to harp on that too much, but let's talk about the good stuff because you came on through the ringer. I asked you about U.S. Open odds. You said, I don't know. I like Coco Golf. I think this could be the year that she breaks through. If you haven't been watching sports, you've seen the New Balance commercial. Coco Golf broke through. She won the U.S. Open. So I wanted to just give you a little tip of the cap, round of applause. That was a great pick. And how fun was that to watch Coco win it in New York? It was so fun. And, you know, I, I guess I'm not one of – when she won, she thanked her haters. So I guess she, she wasn't thanking me on that one because I've never been her – I've never been her hater. Yeah, I, I know. What about us? Um, but, no, but honestly, that was that was a really fun finals weekend. Um, I was I was so close to being two for two because I thought Medvedev could kind of surprise people and he made it to the final but, you know, ran into the Djokovic buzzsaw there. But I love Coco. I, I love her – she just has that like star power, honestly. And she just feels like someone who's ready to carry that mantle, which is not a fun mantle in tennis. It's such an individual sport, um, such a high pressure gauntlet. Um, and she just really seems to have like this great attitude, love her play. She can get to every ball. I mean, she dropped the first set in the final, came back one in three. Um, shout out to Sablenka because she, you know, had she's had some sort of problems kind of getting to the final she finally got there I really like her as a player too so hopefully we'll see more from her in the future but it was another really fun U.S. Open I just love that sporting event Um, shout out to those New York crowds in the sweaty sweaty heat (laughs) yeah I was gonna ask you that which crowd was better the Sunday night football game of the Jets or the U.S. Open crowd you know which one would you kind of saddle up with and say was the best well, it's funny because I feel like when we were talking about the U.S. Open, I was saying if I were a celebrity, I would just go to sporting events all the time. And I feel like we we got a glimpse of that at the Jets game with that that box. And 
Um, I was just wishing that Jeremy Strong, like we suddenly saw Jeremy Strong standing next to Taylor Swift to like really complete the circle but we'll have to wait for next time yeah our our co-worker mallory rubin who we love she put out a funny tweet about that just saying that kendall roy is the only person that would try to upstage taylor swift so i think uh, that really all checked out it checked every box and uh, i know jeremy strong is not kendall roy but at times the lines are blurred a little bit right i feel like they wear the same necklace and everything they basically are <laughs> spiritually there's a lot yeah think he became him and like he went to method sometimes you can go to method and things happen um you go to method and you end up on the jet sideline right like <laughs> right and you're like what, what am i doing why am i here um and then you watch that football game and you say hey zach wilson not so bad um one last thing katie that i want to hit on i want to talk about you know nhl is right around the corner we, we've talked hockey before here on through the ringer i had cousin sal i asked him about um you know his favorite bet to win uh, the Stanley Cup this year. He's about the avalanche, even though they are the favorites. Who would you say would be your your cup prediction preseason? And then I'm going to ask you, uh, and let's talk about the biggest story going into the season. So let's start there. Which team do you like to win the title this year? Well, it's it's interesting he says the avalanche because I don't like disagree. Um, just Nathan McKinnon is such a – I mean, he's a force that got them to their Stanley Cup and – is a force that is probably really pissed that they didn't get back there again last year. Um, so I could, I can see that kind of similarly what I was going to say. And I feel silly cause I feel like I've said this multiple times and it never happens, but um, you know, it's one of these days, the Edmonton Oilers, when you've got someone like Connor McDavid, like you're, they've already gotten to the Western conference final. It's only a matter of time before, even if he has to single-handedly do it. And I don't think he needs to, do it they've got a better team than that but like I I I could see this finally being the year you know because it took Nathan McKinnon and the Avalanche a, a long time to get to um to get their cup and I think it's kind of that it's time for the Oilers to step up and like to piggyback off that um when you ask what I think the big storylines are the Oilers are part of it it's like the Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs it's kind of put up or shut up time for both of those franchises they have had some of the most amazing young talent join the team. Um, you know, they've gotten to the playoffs year after year recently, but they haven't really like gotten to where they need to be and where they should be. So I think that's going to just always be like the dominating storyline. Um, but we also have a cool rookie in Chicago and Connor Bedard and he'll be fun to watch too. He's been kind of crushing it in like the rookie tournaments and the prospect stuff. So That'll be fun to watch, but I don't think they'll be like a contender. Yeah, if you want to have a kid to play hockey, name him Connor. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> um, and right now, the Hart Trophy, if you look at the odds, Connor McDavid plus 100. The next closest is Austin Matthews at plus 1,000. So it, the odds makers believe this is the year for Connor McDavid to go win. <laughs> that's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. Not even close, right? So the, the, the expectation is Connor McDavid will get the job done. Um, Katie Baker, thanks so much for coming to the show. Where can we find all your amazing work? The ringer.com baby always. Um, and yeah, thanks for reading and listening. Of course. That's Katie Baker. Thanks so much for coming to the show. We'll have you back. We'll talk some more hockey and uh, hopefully we have some good stuff to talk about when it comes to the giants in the future. Yeah, we'll see, you know, maybe, uh, maybe they'll suddenly go on a, a, a two game run here, but something tells me probably not. We'll see. We'll see. We'll keep it positive. Thanks so much, Katie. Thanks Tate. Take care. 